Welcome to the Civic Sound Podcast. I'm your host, Jared. This podcast is all about life, leadership, and culture. We hope you enjoy today's episode. Hello and happy new year to all our listeners. It is great to be back on board for our Civic Sound podcast for a new year. We trust that you've had a great holiday break if you're able to get some time away and you've started the year refreshed and relaxed and recharged and you're ready for all that 2021 has got for us, all the opportunities, all the obstacles, all the challenges. It is great to be here and bringing you our fourth episode of Civic Sound and today I am joined by an incredible woman, um, just happens to be also uh, my amazing wife, um, Ange Alchin. Welcome to the Civic Sound podcast. Hello, welcome. Uh, Great to have you here. And Great to be here. Yeah, for sure. Um, we thought today we've we've probably wanted to do this for a couple of weeks, even probably a couple of months. I think I floated the idea with you um, yep. late last year, I think it was, and uh, said, hey, why don't we do a podcast on the Civic Sound all about women in leadership, about feminism. Um, obviously, you and I, we've journeyed um, for a number of years now. And so I've heard your experiences both um, before you were married to me and even when you were married to me, just about a um, couple of your views on this issue. It, it's, it's a hot issue. Yeah. Um, it's a current issue. It's a relevant issue. And so I thought it'd be great that we could talk about it, um, maybe come to some conclusions or maybe just have a conversation about it. Who knows where this could go. Awesome. Um, so I thought a really good place to start um, for, for everybody listening would be maybe just uh, a little bit of your journey and a little bit of your history and hopefully that'll bring some context to some of the discussions that we want to have around um, all these issues regarding women in ministry, women in leadership, um, feminism, uh, where it started, at its origins and, and where it is now and what that narrative looks like. So maybe if you could just give our listeners just a bit of a, an understanding of your journey, your history and what things were like for you. Sure. Where do I start? Um, I think it's definitely a journey and I think it's constantly a changing journey. I grew up as a small child um, around a lot of boys. So um, I spent a lot of time with my cousins um, and they were all boys except one female cousin, but I had an older sister, so they would hang out. And so I spent a lot of my childhood uh, with males. And so we played a lot of sports together. I was a sporty person. Um, I suppose as a, a child, people would probably label me um, as a tomboy. So um, I really, I enjoyed sports. I enjoyed outdoors. I enjoyed wrestling my brother until he beat me one day. But I very much saw, especially those early childhood years, um, there was no difference between male and female. Like we could do the same things, get along. Um, and I didn't really see that there was a divide in gender equality. As a kid, like, you know, you mentioned people would often call you tomboy. Did you, reflecting back now, did you think much of that name or that label that people gave you? Like back then, maybe now you have a different view on it, but did you think much of it? Did you even know what it meant back then? Uh it never really bothered me that much. I think when there was those comments, I think I processed it as, well, this is what I want to do. Like I want to 
be out enjoying sport and all those kind of things, therefore I'm going to. So probably in some ways it did start to shape my worldview on as a woman of don't tell me what I can and can't do, don't gender type me as well you you're a female therefore you should be right yeah um and so that's probably where that journey started of don't tell me what i can do as a female which i would say even uh, as a mum now you're you're a mum of a 10 soon to be 11 year old daughter i would say that that's what you've always encouraged our daughter to be like um in terms of the stereotype if you want to play sport if you want to do those things um go and do it you know um there, there, there's no cookie cut mold of how um you know kids should be um yeah th- does that make sense in, in terms of you know I, I think we often say well netball is a girl's sport and rugby league is a man's sport yeah. and so it's like well no if 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 a girl wants to play rugby league and and it's you know even now we see where they have rugby sevens and even in local and professional comps which i think is great um but yeah. you you've also been able to explain that to our daughter as well yeah um, i i i don't like the gender specifics especially when kids are little well if it's a girl it's pink if it's a boy it's blue and, you know, we're so limited on what we're giving and providing our children. If a little boy wants to play with a doll, great, let him. If a little girl wants to play with a truck, great. And and that's one thing that I especially have done and been strategic with. I don't – whatever our daughter has interest in, her gifts and skill sets, I'm not going to tell her you can't do that because you're based on your gender as being a female. Right, Yeah. yeah. Yep. And so um, as you came out of those adolescent years and, and more into your teen years, how did you find the whole um, journey? Obviously, um, you grew up in quite a small town in, in regional Queensland. How did you find the, um, I guess, not so much division, but obviously the differences between um, a, a man and a woman, even in high school? Yeah, I think it was probably more and more prevalent the um – the gender differences and some of the probably equalities that started coming out that left quite a bad taste in my mouth, I would say, because I was uh, probably, you know, labelled as the tomboy. Um, I think that had an impact as well because I wanted to be treated the same as a male. And I remember there was one um, class we were going to in high school and there was a boy at my school and he would stand outside the classroom and wait for all the females to go in. And I actually found that quite offensive because I took that as him putting himself above me and saying, well, I'm better than you, therefore you go in first and then my position of authority will come after you rather than his heart was probably just an act of chivalry. But at that time I was very much grappling between Um, that I also, it was in those teenage years as well that I had experiences with, and it was probably just the immaturity of males, but, um, the groveling and the wolf whistling at me and other women. And I found that very degrading as well. And so I really found it, no, don't treat me like this because of my gender. Mm. Don't tell me what I can and can't do. and, And don't give me special treatment in some ways or, um, disrespect me because of my gender, but it really was in the teenage years that you start to see those different um, 
gender equalities. And that was, you know, 80s and 90s yeah. as well. Obviously graduating high school and then um, you found your way um, working inside of a church yeah. and um, you held the role as a youth pastor, as a female youth pastor, which, um, you know, might not sound too uncommon, but I would probably say back then it certainly was more of a male-dominated um, sphere and space. You, you saw a lot of ma- male youth pastors, um, not too many lead sort of youth female pastors. Um, and so I remember you often recalling to me that at conferences and events and um, various um, environments, you actually found it quite difficult and even to the point where um, other pastors, um, other leaders not necessarily didn't didn't shun you or give you the cold shoulder, but didn't really want have have too much time for you. They probably more wanted to talk to um, other male pastors or other male leaders. Would would that be a, a fair assessment of your experience coming into ministry? Yeah, my first um, coming into ministry here. Um, this is the only church that I've ministered at, and so that was fifteen, sixteen years ago approximately and my experience at this church uh, I have seen no divide in gender when it comes to leadership even back then the leadership that brought me on board and and taught me very much was about skill and ability and call and character over gender and so from the beginning here as a church and all the leadership we've had have always been about the call and the character, not the gender. Yeah. Um, and even still today, Pastor Brendan, he sees the call and character before he sees the gender. And I love that about our church. But I did see when I started going to conferences as a young pastor with a credential um, that even our uh, – our movement was very dominated by males and, you know, conferences were always encouraged to go and um, make connections. Yeah. And I would just walk away going, this is ridiculous because every connection that I would try to make was it predominantly males yeah. and especially as a single female, mm. nobody really wanted to um, make any connections with me, even on a ministry level. Yeah. And it was very gender specific because I could sit back and watch other people and, you know, our male pastors would come back, oh, I met this person, you know, um, we're going to collaborate, I met this person and I'd come back going and a little bit disheartened going, well, I met this person but they really wanted nothing to do with me. Um Maybe it was part of my personality as well. I don't know. But I do think it, it, it did have something to do with my gender. So do you – would it be fair to say that you felt somewhat disadvantaged because of your, your gender? Well, I think especially in ministry circles and in the past – the pastor was always the male and then there was the pastor's wife, right. which was yep. the female. And so I think it was those early days of, oh, the woman's actually the pastor, not yep. the pastor's wife. Yep. And so yep. I think it was, it's been a shift and it's still a continual shift um, of... But even that label, the pastor's wife, yeah. I mean, for me, they're... A, they're a person in and of themselves yeah. and they shouldn't be seen as an ornament just Agreed. on the pastor's side. Like they they have they have value, they have strengths, they have gifts, they have a purpose um, and, and they, they can bring just as much to the table as any leader or pastor. Um, and so I've always struggled with that title even when people 
um, you know, are talking to me and they say, oh, you know, uh, you know, your wife, and I'm like, you mean Ange? Like, she has a name because she has value, and it's not. Um, if if you knew the gifts and strengths that she brings to the table, you would see it as as um, that we have equal value. Yeah, I think as a society, we are growing and learning in that. But I think there's a lot of um, what we saw growing up. Um, and I mean, there's still many countries in this world where women are just seen as the childbearers, the woman at home. They don't get mm. education. Yeah. Um, they're seen as the the lesser gender. And I think there's just sometimes we're a bit naive to it because it's just so culturally ingrained that um, people don't even realise they're doing it still. Yeah. That there's still that gender divide. Yeah. When you look at the narrative of um, feminism over the decades, um, I think – what started the feminism movement was obviously equality um, for, for both sexes. And I think as as the narrative has uh, etched its way through history, I, I think what perhaps um, is what started out as something really healthy and positive to um, bring freedom to, to women's rights and women's equality, perhaps just as an observation, can sometimes now be seen as a victim mentality and as a result of that, we have women who feel like they have to be cold-hearted and they have to be really um, not in and of themselves just to try and make their way through through society and through their workplaces and through their world. Whereas I would probably argue that it what makes you a woman shouldn't be seen as a weakness but actually as a strength because, you know, obviously there is fundamentally significant differences between a man and a woman and... Sadly, men can often see that as a weakness in women, but I I would argue that it actually is a strength. And to, in a lot of degrees, let's talk about a marriage, it actually complements itself when you've got a man and a woman. Um, yeah. What, what's your views on that, in, I, I guess, in the narrative of, of feminism and just how perhaps young girls or even, you know, any type of um, woman is is maybe trying a little bit too hard yeah. um, because they feel like they have to be this way to, to cut it in a man's world. Yeah, I think, you know, the feminism really is anything you can do, I can do better. Mm. Um, and I think because there has been that equality there, as a woman myself, I know I have felt that I need to prove myself more mm. if I want to do something in particular. I um, and, and I get men probably don't understand that because mm. they're not in that position. But as a woman, I do find that there are times where I um, not want to change myself but to keep up or be see this, seen the same, yeah. I have to um, – put extra effort in. However, in saying that, I never think that in our womanhood and, I mean, I know lots of emotional males as well, but, you know, typically a woman is seen more emotional as that we need to hide that mm. as being, because like you said, it's about complementing one another. And, oh, you know, I very much went from that very feminist of, no, I can do anything a man can do to actually going, well, God's actually designed men and women differently yeah. to have different roles. Neither is better than the other. Correct. But humanity 
has said, no, the male is more important than the female. And I think that is because we take scripture out of context right in the beginning when it comes to the man and the woman of, you know, we read in the Bible, um, woman, submit to your husband. And that's where it's like, well, therefore he's the boss. But Mm. what we leave out is that the man treat his wife like Jesus would treat the church. Correct. And yeah. there's this beautiful synergy in that and a, and, a, and a working together. And I think sometimes even in our Christian marriages today, mm. we still get it wrong um, culturally um, from past experience of, oh, well, he's the man, therefore what he says goes. Um, and so we have these dysfunctional marriages because she's not getting cared for and loved like Jesus would love the church. Yeah. Um, but I think – it's a beautiful place to get to when you understand what your lane is and what yep. your gifts are. And it do- and that's, you know, gender aside, it's, it's all of us individually, but knowing what you're called to and running your race and doing that well despite your gender. And I believe that women should feel empowered in all the different spheres that they operate in, but that doesn't have to ha- – that they should feel like they can be who they are but not at the expense of 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 bashing the other gender, and so yeah. does that does that make sense? Like you don't it, you don't make yourself great by pulling someone else down. Absolutely. Um, and so I love that the, the words and the language that you use there by being comfortable in your lane. And for me, that comes down to you know knowing who you are, having self respect, and not trying to be someone that you're not because God made you uniquely. And you have a purpose and you have strengths and gifts that you can bring to the table that no one else can. And when you discover that, uh, I think that's a beautiful process. And like you said, it's a beautiful synergy that can happen with both men and women working together. And, you know, you and I, we serve on a team where we have men and women. And and to be honest, I I probably think just at a guess, it's probably 50-50 in the team that we serve on. And that's great because it, it's it's such a um, diverse mix of opinions and thoughts. Um, and, you know, together we can, we can lead and we can serve um, with all the different thoughts and opinions. Um, and I think to have it all one way, I think would be at, at a severe disadvantage to any organisation or company or church um, or team. So, yeah, I, I think knowing knowing um, your lane and, and working towards that and even you mentioned Ephesians 5 by, mm. you know, wives submitting to your husbands um, and, you know, a lot of men will quote that scripture. Um, a lot of pastors and leaders will perhaps quote that scripture to women and sadly, you know, that can be used in an abusive context. Um, over the years, you know, but that I, I've I've discovered and and I've observed that wives will have no issue in submitting to their husbands um, when their husbands love their wives like Christ loves the church, yeah. and that's the predecessor, and Absolutely. that's what ha- has to happen first. When a woman knows that she's cared for, valued, empowered, and loved, she'll they'll work together as a team, and it's not the man dominating the household or dominating the marriage. It's actually a team working together, and you yeah. know I feel very fortunate that that you and I that's how we operate, and we don't get it right all the time, and we're certainly not perfect, but. Um, that's how you and I lead, and we know that. Generally, I'm the I'm the emotional one in the marriage, and often you're the one that that can bring that um, clarity and and calmness to a situation. And so, but we we work off each other. We know each other's weaknesses, 
and 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 strengths and so we leverage off that and we complement each other and i think um very very fortunate and very privileged to do that um what about um can i ask you about single women in the church mm. and so you know oftentimes we can have single women in the church and you know as they get into their young adult years and then maybe like their mid-20s and late 20s and early 30s and then you know people can and sometimes people can make innocent comments but maybe there's a little bit of venom behind those comments and and they start thinking what's wrong with her like why hasn't she got married why hasn't she had kids you know she's in her 30s like you're not going to be young forever sweetheart so you know and it's almost a little bit patronizing and it's a little bit um disrespectful where it seems that we we can't have single women in the church yet that might be the lane that they feel comfortable and called to well, I think it's not just single women but single men as well. I think yeah. as churches we have even um, unintentionally adopted a worldly standard of what life should look like. So, yeah. you know, you grow up, you go to uni or get a job, whatever, and then you find the woman or man, then you get married, then you get the house and then you get the 2.5 kids and your pet dog Rover and, you know, um, it continues that way. And I think even as Christians and church we communicate that way that will to have succeeded in life and done well in life you have to tick these things off. Yeah. And um, I'm glad that our church is not one of those ones that, you know, pushes, okay, now you have to get married, now yeah. you have to, but it's about – What's God called you to? And, you know, we see it's in, it's scriptural. Like Jesus never went ahead telling people, oh, you need to get married. Like he never demonstrated yep. even in his life of this is what life is to look like. And so I love um, the that we embrace singledom and you're not missing out. You miss out on nothing yeah. when you're committed to God and you're the, the lane that he's got for you. Um, you know, women, you don't have to have children. Who mm. said that you have to have children? Yeah. Um, you know, that there's uh, this pressure on our young people of, mm. well, this is this is what a good life is, but knowing, no, whether you get married or you even, don't get married. Yeah, even, even the matter. dialogue that, you know, this – this must be something wrong with me if I'm not married. Yeah. And even other people thinking that, what's wrong with that person? You know, have they have they got some deep or have they got some deep issues? Or they're less of a person yeah. because they're not married. Oh well you haven't married, therefore you're not you're less of a person. Yeah. Um, I think is is terrible. Or yeah, that well you haven't lived life to the fullest because Yeah. It looks like they're missing out where in God's um yeah, in God's plan, it's totally fine. And I love that on our on our Sundays where we celebrate Mother's Day and Father's Day, as a church, we celebrate the spirit of motherhood yeah. and the spirit of fatherhood because we recognise that you don't actually have to be a biological dad or a Correct. biological mum to lead and serve in the spirit of motherhood and fatherhood because yeah. we have people at this church um, who have never um, had children themselves, but they would be seen as a spiritual dad and Absolutely. a spiritual mum, no matter their age. And so I, I love that we get to celebrate um, those kind of um, people in church. And you're right, they're no less or uh, any different to people that who, are, who have had children or who are married. Um you you mentioned the boy. If I can go all the way back to your, your school years, you mentioned the boy um, that you know opened the door 
and you know wanted all the females and all the ladies to go in first and you saw that as well no you know i i don't really like that what would be how do you see chivalry now so when a guy opens a door for you when a guy you know waits for you before he heads into a room or to an environment um because i think some women can interpret that as well he's seeing me as weaker that's why he's holding the door or whatever um you mentioned before before we went on air about you know it comes down to motives um when it comes to chivalry so i wonder if you could just talk to me a little bit about that and how maybe from a woman's perspective how how should women respond to chivalry in in 2021 yeah i think you know you you look back to the history of chivalry and the whole heart and motive behind chivalry chivalry <laughs> was out of um, care, love, protection. So yeah. it had these beautiful um, chivalrous motives where I think it then potentially came out of a heart of domineering um, power more. And that's probably in high school where I had my biggest struggle was What's your heart motive behind this? Are you doing this because you genuinely care, honour and respect me or is it because you feel more powerful and domineering yeah. to me? And I think there's a there's a fine line there and, and it does come down to heart motive. And I think, you know, as uh, men, you need to know your heart motive yeah. towards women and I think um, – and I can't speak on behalf of men. I mean you can speak on behalf of that. But I think sometimes um, even our men in churches can uh, probably have good intentions yeah. but that real heart motive is yeah. sometimes they see more. And, I, you know, we do need to run our own lane but in saying that a woman should never feel like – if she genuinely feels like there is an like inequality yep. in the gender, um, in marriage, workplace, or whatever, she shouldn't be silent, but honourably mm. and respectfully bring that forward in a godly way, not with the pickets and the banners yep. and and the rants and the raves like yep. feminism. But there there is a place to have a voice, yep. and every woman should feel in those legitimate cases, not just because. Um, yeah, that she can still have a voice and should feel imp- empowered to have a voice yeah. and be heard. I think, you know, you, you talked uh, about a man's perspective. For me, it starts um, at a very early age. You know, I remember when I was growing up and I'm not sure if it's it's still – uh, happens today but you know there used to be the old rhyme that we used to sing in the schoolyard girls are weak chuck them in the creek boys are stronger <laughs> they live longer and sounds innocent sounds sweet but what does that teach a young um a young boy it it, it says that men are number one and girls are number two um even when you know when we insult one another as men or as don't boys, be such a you girl. know, we don't be such a girl. Yeah, um, don't be such a skirt. Yeah, um, and so what? What is that actually saying? Yeah, and I remember one of my friends a couple of years ago. He he showed me this that when we use a female connection as an insult, not only are we obviously insulting our friends or other people around us, but we're actually degrading women by mm-hmm. using that as an insult. Absolutely. Why? Why should be, being a woman be seen as an insult? Um, and what does that actually do to? 
also masculinity and I think yeah, you're um, right. you know there's that's another podcast in itself in terms mm. of toxic masculinity yeah. where men don't feel like they can cry where mm. men don't feel like they can be real with their emotions yet we see suicide right, rates in Australia are higher in the ages of 21 to the age of 45 in men and I think that's because there's a huge disconnect now with men and their emotions because society culture yeah. has taught them don't cry. Suppressed. Don't talk about your issues. People don't want to hear them. You just have to have a teaspoon of concrete and a stiff upper lip and get on with life, mate. And that's obviously not helping. That's not working when we yeah. see these horrific depression and suicide rates right throughout our country. So um, for me, it starts at, an, it, I guess, in an education point of view. And, and I, I use that, but it's, it's a cultural education where, you know, I want to teach the, the young boys that I have interaction with at my footy club. Um, yeah. Here at church, I want to teach them. No, we celebrate women, and you, you, and, and it, it's just the little incidental things. You know, when a boy makes a comment, I don't want to tolerate that. I want to yeah. be able to speak to that, yeah, and not berate him, but just say, "Hey, that wasn't right," and that's not that's not what we're about here. Yeah. Um, so. I think that there's a lot more in that and a lot more discussion to be had around that. I guess, you know, we have um, so many incredible women in our church. What, I guess, how do you see how we can continue um, as a community, continue to raise more incredible young women in the church where they feel like I don't have to play second fiddle and I want to be able to step into, as you said, all that God has called for me. Yeah. How do you, what more do you think we could be doing in that space to feel like women and particularly in this, in, in this question, young women are empowered. Yeah. um, And it's not just a man's world. Yeah. And I think um, as it is now, our church does an excellent job. I think it's like, uh, either gender, male or female, it's about giving them opportunity of seeing where their gifts are, um, what their strengths are at and providing an opportunity for them to grow in that, Um, whether it's with music, uh, it doesn't matter what it is, on a platform, um, but giving them just an opportunity to grow in those gifts. And I love that as a team here and even our team growing through um, seeing them that there's no difference whether you're fe- female or male. It really is your gift sets, your character and, and your call. And and I'm thankful that that comes from our senior pastor, Brendan Kelly, because that's who he is um, as well. What would you say, if I can ask you this question, just to put you on the spot, yes. what would you say um, to people that perhaps struggle with women in leadership and even women on the platform um, how, how would you respond to that? Because I know over the years you have received criticism about women in leadership and women on a platform and even women as pastors and even women as senior pastors. Um, how would you respond to a critic or how would you respond to a comment like that, that, oh, I don't, I don't think that's right or, you know, women should know their place, that kind of rhetoric. How would you respond to that as a woman? Well, you know, in the Old Testament it said women need to wear hats to church. So yeah. probably should, you know, <laughs> bust out the old um, um, hat. I think we've got to really go back to it all comes back to Jesus and, and his heart for humanity, yeah. not just his heart for males or his heart for for females. If you see right from the beginning, there was no divide between female or male in scripture, not one place, even in Jesus' life, do you see a distinct 
Um, yes, in the Bible stories we see more males there, there prominently. Was, there was cultu- cultural, yeah, right, there was cultural um, yeah. levels, you know, and, and women were treated differently in, in certain cultures, particularly in the Hebrew culture. Absolutely. And so, you know, reading scripture, it is a very male-dominated, but then if you do read some accounts, like I think it's Luke 8, yep. there's actually an account of a um, – Jesus is, it talks about Jesus is traveling around with his disciples. Yeah. And it was actually women who were there that were providing for them. Yeah. The women were actually providing them finances and everything they need for that. And, you know, we don't hear about that and we don't see it much because it, back in those days, that's what it was very yeah. male. But it doesn't mean that they weren't there or as important. And I think the church is doing a great job of, um, you know, seeing women have just as much of a call of God on their life or on a platform or yeah. wh- whatever sphere they're in um, to make an impact. And it's all about the in- like the impact for the kingdom of God. Yeah. It's not about can a male do it better or, or yeah. a female do it better, yeah. but is this having a kingdom impact? Are people getting saved? Are, are people hearing about Jesus? And God doesn't say a man can do that better than a woman. It's if that's what our cause is, if that's our why – then it doesn't matter who does it. Yeah. Yeah, I guess probably to, to land today's episode, I I think that we can always grow and get better at celebrating our differences yeah. and understanding that it's our differences that actually make us stronger, not yeah. weaker. Yeah. And so I want to celebrate um, women and all the uniqueness that they bring to the table as well as men because, they, like you said, we are designed differently yeah. and I think when you have um, people of, of different genders at the table um, with different opinions and different experiences and different um, thoughts, I think that's like you said, we can get that synergy and so I want to be able to champion young men and young women yeah. and older men and old, older women for that matter as well. Um, and I don't think, you know, it, it's it's not so much a balancing, but it's just understanding, like like you said before, it's about knowing what you're called to and knowing – because yeah. I think sometimes, um, you know, we, whichever side of the gender you are, you can push really hard of, well, I want to be that and want to be that. And when you start to run outside your lane, that's when it, it, it gets a little bit sketchy. And so I think – understand what God has given you and what God has made you and where God has called you and just embrace that. Embrace your story and and run in that lane. And I think when you do that, that's where you find contentment and that's where you find fulfilment. And um, I think, I guess, knowing your journey and knowing your history, I think um, what the 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 um, space that you've been in probably over the last couple of years is is really discovering that lane of I'm not going to try and be someone that I'm not. I actually want to embrace who God has made me and who God has called me to be, and we should celebrate that. Yeah. Um, so. And I, and I think it, this is a conversation that needs to keep going because yeah. and constantly because things are constantly changing and and we're becoming more aware of things, and so I think this is just. We've got to keep having these conversations. Definitely. Um, but that, you know, everybody still feels like they have the opportunity in an honourable way to be heard. Yeah. Um, to have a seat at the table, you know. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, that people really know and embrace their lane and don't feel like if you're not in the spotlight, because sometimes I think it can be seen, well, the men are in the spotlight more, mm. those positions, but the positions that aren't in the spotlight are just 
as important and powerful True. as, and I mean, it's great having women in the spotlight too. Like either way is good, but just knowing wh- where you call, what's your lane mm. and being content there and um, yeah, embracing it. Awesome. And thanks so much for joining us today for uh, our fourth episode of Civic Sound. Hey, if uh, you enjoyed today's episode, why don't you share it? Why don't you like it and uh, perhaps pass it on to someone else that you think might get value from it. Um, But so great that you're able to join us today and we look forward to seeing you real soon. Bye. Thanks for listening today. If you enjoyed this episode, why not give us a share, like and follow. 